You're listening to a Mash Those Buttons podcast. Visit mashthosebuttons.com for a full podcast schedule. Guardian. And welcome to episode 46 of In Orbit, Mash Those Buttons podcast dedicated to Destiny and its community. Wherever you are and whenever you're listening, we thank you as always for making us a part of your Destiny experience. My name is Jorge. And my name is David. And I'm Jordan. And on today's show, we're going to be talking about the dawning. But before we even get into that, how have you guys been doing with regards to Destiny this week? Oh, you know, Destiny's been fun. We got the uh, SRL going. Lots of fun racing sparrows. New strike counters are cool. I haven't got a chance to do the Nightfall yet, but I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Either later today or tomorrow, you know. Um, It actually feels like there's a lot to do in Destiny again. At least for these two weeks it does. So, you know, I'm pretty happy about that. What about you, Jordan? I've been enjoying the uh, the SRL quite a bit, and uh, I got to play the Nightfall. That was fun. Um, I love that strike, and the new mechanics in it make it uh, make it fun and interesting again. So, um, haven't played uh, too much this weekend though. So, uh, I'm setting up an office and doing house stuff. But yeah, the new update's been fun for me so far. I like it. Cool. Uh, a lot of the same stuff for me, and we'll go ahead and discuss that in the actual show. Uh, today we're going to be talking about the nice looking armor sets, the changing to the tower, the SRL event, obviously, the updated strikes. We're going to be talking about uh, Crucible and how it still doesn't have an update and the reason why. And we're going to be taking questions from you, the audience, in our section known as Messages from the Reef. But before we get into all of that, I want to make sure that you guys check out all the other podcasts available here on the Mashos Buttons Network at www.mashosbuttons.com and get involved with us here in In Orbit by sending us questions at inorbitpodcast at gmail.com. All right, so let's just go ahead and go right into it. Welcome, Guardians, to the dawning. We have strike updates, nightfall updates, and cool stuff happening now with the skeleton keys. You guys already knew from our... uh, podcast from last week that the first completion for the nightfall would get you a skeleton key and they improved the drop rates with regards to skeleton keys whenever you complete a strike let me tell you slightly improved is a much better situation than what we had before because i've seen people get two skeleton keys in a strike completion and I, they've just been raining down on me. I've gotten, I want to say, seven this week, which is seven more than I had last week. What about you guys? Have you guys seen your fortunes with skeleton keys improve? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. 
I mean, I only ran like five or six strikes so far this week, and I have gotten two skeleton keys, so. Yeah, I think I got four, and I didn't even play a whole lot of strikes either. I know a side effect of all these skeleton keys dropping is that I've seen a lot more thorns in the Crucible, just because people are finally able to complete that portion of the strike, or the quest, I'm sorry, and, and they've been waiting for so long. To get that thorn, it's just hilarious to see all these thorns just pop up all out of nowhere. Now, with regards to the actual look, let me tell you that the tower looks fantastic. Uh, the main part of the tower, when you just load in, you see snow all over the place. Every so often, you'll see that one robot in the corner doing snow angels. And it just looks like it feels alive. And the unfortunate thing is... As nice as the the first area looks, they completely ignored the tower north section where the speaker is. There's no snow accumulation. You still have the snow effect in the air, but it just feels like it feels out of place. You see a lot of jungle-like ve vegetation still, even with the snow coming down. There's there's no absolutely no accumulation. I mean, at least during the um, the Halloween event, the why did I just forget the the name of the event? Festival Not of Lost. Important. Festival of Lost. There you go. At least with the Festival of the Lost, there were candles all over the place. But in this event, there's absolutely no snow accumulation. Nothing added to that side of the tower. It just feels dead and uneventful. Whereas the main area looks lively and fun. Yeah, I noticed that too, but I, I thought Ava Levante had heated floors put in on that side. I could be wrong, though. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the, <laughs> the, yeah the only thing that they did over there was Eva Levante. Um, and it's cool that now you can go to the holiday kiosk and pick up the old SRL gear, which all works with all, you regard, all of your gardens. Guardians, I'm, I can't speak. I'm sorry. You can pick up the boots, the chest, and the arms that work on all three of your guardians, the Warlock, the Hunter, and the Titan. The only thing that you cannot switch around to all three guardians is the helmet. The helmet is exclusive to the class, as well as the class ar armor, so that is another one. But that's really cool that you can switch between all three characters, those armor pieces, because those arms are very, very useful in SRL. And, yeah, I mean... I really, really like the tower. Thank God it's not what happened in Crimson Days with that terrible overlay. Ooh, this is roses. an overlay. We talked yes. about those roses for like two months. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the the snow is an overlay. Let's not get it twisted. But it definitely feels and looks way better than those darn roses from Crimson Days. So You're kudos not... to Bungie on that. Go ahead. Uh, so you know it's funny because um, you were talking about the tower decoration and how they ignored the side with the speaker is they send you to Ava Levante for a quest so you'd think that would be the side they wouldn't forget about since they're sending you over there and yet they ignored it yet again they can't decorate the whole tower yeah I mean even the area over by Amanda Wright is did I just mispronounce her? Whatever. Amanda her Holiday. Name. Holiday. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking her, her, her. She's the shipwright. Right. The, <laughs> uh, 
Or I didn't get much sleep last night, guys. No, I didn't. I'm sorry. So, uh, so over there with Amanda Holiday, uh, they change her area up a bit, and there's different pieces of like sparrows that are out there that sh- that sh- she's working on, quote unquote. So, pretty sure she's got a forklift in her area too. Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> we'll discuss that forklift in a little bit. But uh, there, there's additions on that area, and then going towards that area, there's the SRL symbol and paintings and stuff. So they changed her area up. It's just sad that they didn't do the same thing with the speakers. But speaking of the speaker, it's cool that we can get those old class ar- armors again from the speaker. The cloaks that you get from completing the elemental quests for your arc, solar, and void classes. Those are there up for sale again, and they modify every single week so you can get that perfect roll eventually. Hopefully. Or not. All right. So with that, let's go ahead and talk about SRL. How do you guys uh how are you guys enjoying the actual SRL event? I mean, I love it. Um I didn't get to play that much last year, and so far this year I haven't played as much as I might have liked to because of those darn finals. Still in school, it sucks. But um, I mean, it's tons of fun. Uh, the new maps are awesome. They look fantastic. The snow map is my favorite visual map. Um, yeah, it's just SRL as a whole. I love it. I'm glad they're keeping around in private matches because whenever people want to go do it, they can. I kind of wish it was around yearly with rewards, but I understand why it's not. It's going to be sad when it goes again. Yeah, I mean, I'm... I enjoyed the SRL event for what it is. There are several things that are bugging me about that event. Um, the forklift? It just feels... Well, no, the forklift... <laughs> there's Every single map has that one obstacle. That one thing that just bugs people. And, for example, on the new Mercury map, the very the one 90-degree turn that everybody just goofs up on, um, on the Mars map, you have that wall that just appears there all out of nowhere that, that splits you up into two. Um, on Venus, you have... I, I mean, it, it's not always a problem, but every so often when you're jumping off that waterfall, you have the catch, or no, the skiff, that you can actually jump on top of sometimes. So every map has its own little quirk and, and little of uh, problem, I should say. And that forklift is, it's, it's hilarious to see how when, when somebody's in first place and they just run into that and then they just go all the way back to six because of that damn forklift. It's hilarious. But with regards to the older maps, the, old, the two old maps, the one on Merc, um, Venus and Mars, they just feel so out of place now. Um, the new maps have, they definitely took cues from last year's SRL event. And they they made modifications to how they proceed with those maps or proceed with future maps, I I should say. But they didn't go back and update those two maps. And I feel it's a problem on certain areas where there's these, quote unquote, shortcuts. But because there's no booster there, you actually lose speed. So it's it's become quite a problem. And, And it shows that SRL, even though it's a fun little event, it's just a side event that Bungie's not really focused on with regards to balancing. And that's a problem to me. Well, I mean, to me, I think, yes, the new maps are definitely 
fresher, cleaner, and have better racing layouts because they learned from what people liked and didn't like about the maps last year. But I wouldn't have expected or wanted them to change the old maps, mainly because they're the old maps. Everybody likes a classic, you know? Um, I don't think they're, like, bad in any way. I still think they're fun to play. The shortcut thing has always been kind of a trade-off as to whether you want to attempt to gain up some ground with it but lose a little speed or... If you want to go for the um, the whatever those things are called gates and possibly have a harder turn than the shortcut would take you. But I mean, I understand where you're coming from. I just don't think they should change the old maps just because then they're not the old maps. They're new maps as well. Yeah. Changing the old maps is isn't necessary. In my opinion, the new maps definitely are laid out better. They have uh, better flow. They're more interesting. The gate placement is better. The obstacles are more challenging and they seem to make more sense. You mentioned the the wall that pops up in the middle of the track uh, when you're jumping those stairs on the, that's the Mars track from the old series. Um, You know that, yeah, that things like that were just, they were just very clunky and the placement just, it, it was good because it was challenging and it broke your rhythm you had to you had to maneuver around them um, uh, with all the bumping and stuff that would happen in a pack. It's always difficult, but um, yeah, the, the the new tracks definitely make the old tracks seem clunky and less thought out. Um, the the one thing that uh, I've noticed more with the current SRL is that the um, the, the rubbing. Uh, that occurs during the racing and the bumping the the bumper car effect seems to be greater now for some reason um where i'm racing and uh you know you get hit on the side or the the back uh corner by a player behind you and all of a sudden i'm flipped around and they seem to almost gain a a speed boost from it (laughs) yeah you know Um, for some reason anytime someone hits me i fly out of control and they don't yeah, like if it happens, I notice I do it to other players too, where I sort of, if I get a speed boost at the right angle and hit the, their back corner as I run through, like they, they're gone all of a sudden. And, so, you know, they'll, they'll fly off the map or flip around or do something. And I, that's, to me, that seems like they just, it's fun, but it gets a little frustrating, which is fine. You know, it's part of the, the racing game, but yeah, they probably, uh, overlooked some of the mechanics in regards to this and you know jorge you just mentioned that it's a uh it's more of a, a fun activity a temporary activity or meant to be a temporary fun activity and i think that that aspect of the racing sort of points to that oh i i, I definitely think it's it it definitely is a side thing for for them when i mean when i say changes i don't mean changes to the actual geometry or removing items. My concern more is, as you mentioned, the balancing with regards to the gates. Um, moving a gate isn't a gigantic change, or possibly adding a gate to the other side to reduce some of that bumping and grinding, because at, at certain points it does get frustrating. For example, let's take a look at that Mars map. The right after you do that, um, when you get past the wall, you have a giant curve. And if you take the outside area, there's no, there's, there's, it's not really an advantage. You, you want to go on the inside, get the, the one gate, and go forward. 
Um, if for whatever reason you go to the outside, you miss a gate on the inside, and then you run into issues. So a solution to that would be to move the gate so that there's one on the inside, one on the outside, so you can push forward and sort of break up the people a little bit. Um, I'm, I, I get that the whole charm or whatever you want to call it of SRL is all the frustration that you can get in, in that game type, but it just seems like there's a little too much frustration and not enough breaking up to allow for more racing. Um, it, it, the, the penalty for missing a gate is pretty steep. You go from 130 miles an hour or kilometers, whatever they have, to I think 110. So th that's enough to change a race for a lot of people. And you could do everything perfectly. And just because somebody decided to bump right into you, you go from first to six. Um, it, it, I'm not expecting Gran Turismo. I'm not expecting Forza. But at a certain point, you got to use a little bit more, I don't know, just obvious design choices that on those older maps, the newer maps I'm actually fine with. They there's, there's on earth, the, the earth map, Hakan's precipice, um, the placement of the, of uh, the speed boosts are really, really, really good. There's an area where you spend a good amount of time without going through a speed boost at all. And you're just going through the different hilly turns and whatever till you get to the next speed boost. And I can't explain how happy I am with that map. That map is fantastic. It's really, really well done. Um, and I believe that the placement of the speed boost is a big reason why I enjoy that map. There's not as much bumping and grinding. There are those certain areas. When you go through the areas, uh, the, the three turning um, pillars or whatever they are, where, you have to, where you're going from level to level to level, um, before you go take that left turn towards the forklift, like that, that's just that's that's where most of the impacts happen. Other than that, everything is pretty well done. It, it, it's just a well done map. Yeah, the end of that map, I like that a lot. You get that choice between riding the pipe or you go below through the trees, and right. that's that's a great part of that map for me because you you you, know, you can shortcut, quote unquote, by taking the pipe, and it's the safer route. But or you can go down and go through the trees and take a chance of hitting a tree, but you get the speed right. boosts as a reward. That's that's great. I think that's awesome. All right. Uh, with that, let's go ahead and talk about mash those buttons, David. Well, mash those buttons is your ultimate resource for video game commentary, reaction and involvement by a variety of opinionated and informed gamers who love gaming of all kinds. Covering a large swath of gaming, we cover the latest news and information on the games you care about and always provide unfiltered commentary and fun. Check out all the killer podcasts available today on Mash Those Buttons Network at www.mashthosebuttons.com. All right. And with that, I kind of want to go back and talk about the actual strikes themselves. Uh, the Nexus, the Will of Crota, and uh, the Shadow Thief. So... They changed a lot of the stuff with regards to how the enemies spawn and what kind of enemies spawn. You guys went through them, right? The only yeah, I, one... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jordan. <laughs> yeah, no, I went through them all. I mean, you have the quest line that basically forces you to go through them all. So, um, 
Yeah, they were fun. I, I liked them a lot. The, the changes were really good, especially to the Will of Crota. Some people may think it's uh, not a whole lot of change, but the end of that strike was great with the way um, on the goal she disappears and then you fight the waves off. You got ogres. Jorge, I think, was I playing that strike with you? Yes, you were. Yes. Um, I thought that was fantastic. That was a lot more fun than it used to be. And they also prevent you from hiding out in that side room that you enter the final boss fight in. You have to basically go into the room with Omnigal now, fight her in the room, and it makes it a lot more hectic, a lot more fun, and it's sort of phased as she as she spawns in and out. I, I, that was great. And um, the, uh, the Nexus strike with the added mechanics of the Vault of Glass relic, that was cool. Um, it gave a pacing to the fight and it made it interesting. Um, and then the Shadow Thief, the end of the Shadow Thief, again, the boss fight was just great. There was an actual mechanic and pacing to it, phased fight where you had to kill or take out the uh, Siva clusters to drop his. I get. The, I don't know if he had a shield. He was just. He was just. Uh, he, had, he did he had have a shield. shield. He had a shield. Yeah. I, yeah, he was invulnerable. He had to take out the Siva clusters, do damage. And then there was damage gate where the Siva clusters would pop back up. You have to take them out again, kill ads in between. You know, um, that strike in particular, that's going to be real tough when it's the nightfall. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. oh, sorry, man. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, I, the only one I've had a chance to do was Crota in the, in the strikes I did, the Will of Crota strike. Um, the other two, I mean, the Nightfall one, I'll get to do in the next day or two. And then Tanix, I just never had it come up, but I'm looking forward to it. Because I didn't follow the quest line specifically. I just did a bunch of SRL and then some strikes in the the weekly heroic playlist. But um, I really liked how they changed Will of Crota. I definitely liked the phasing in and out of Omnigal. It made being in the room more bearable because you don't have like four wizards shooting bombs at you the whole time you're in there. Um, the only thing I'd say is it almost felt easier when you were in that room. Like it almost felt like you had to really, really mess up and stand out in the middle of an area to be killed by the ads. I don't know why it felt like that, but it just really didn't feel like it had the same challenge factor as it used to. Well, well, we it never. I I was just gonna say that I think were you running it at the three twenty level. No, I was running it um, on the heroic level sets 365, I think is what it's at. Okay. Because that can make a difference. Yeah, I mean, it, it. even on the heroic level difficulty, it was never that difficult of a room. I'm talking about the old version. The new version, I think you're going to see the, the changes or the difficulty increase when it becomes that nightfall. When it's a nightfall, that thing is going to be absolutely ridiculous. Especially if they are bold enough to put in Arkburn, because that would be, I want to say it on the same level as difficult of the Solar Burn um, Shield Brothers, because that's absolutely ridiculous. Mm, I don't know. Uh, I I would just think that with Arkburn, you then have Zalo, and with her phasing in and out, you don't really have to worry about her shooting Ark stuff at you that much. I don't know. Uh, I, 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 you're forgetting that there's exploder thralls. There's there's the thralls with claws. 
you have her obviously you're dealing with ogres um there's there's just a lot of boomer nights there's a lot that that can go wrong with regards to that room and i'm just waiting to see when when that becomes a nightfall again because that'll be very very interesting to see um personally i'm not a fan of all the changes with regards to those three strikes um it feels like they've dumbed them down um and i'm just talking about the regular versions of, of the strikes um for example the shadow thief is a lot easier now than what it used to be um everything going up to that strike uh for example the 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 first room that you have those ogres and 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 the uh what is it called the the fall and they're fighting in you, you used to be able to skip that that's not a problem now you can't skip it as much so that's the only hard part because they put those siva clusters right in front of you you can still jump over them but if you get the wrong jump all of a sudden you fall backwards and you're right in the face of a of a captain who's gonna quickly slice you to bit the bits then you have the teleporter area where you used to fight those hordes of fallen but instead of fighting the hordes all of a sudden tanix is right there he's fighting the the hive who are there and once you clear out those guys they're the automatically teleports so it's pretty quick right there and same thing in the in the first room where you would fight those wave of fallen it, it it's he's all the way in the back now he's not up close to you in, in front so it's not as much of a problem uh the only room that seems like it got or remained the same was the tanker room but everything leading up to the main boss with tanix or the main fight with tanix seems to have gotten easier same with the other strikes. It just seems like everything going up to the main boss room was easier. There's ex Except for the Nexus. The Nexus one, you know what? The changes that they did are actually very solid. That, that area, um, after you go down the steps into the open area where you would go into the caves, that you have to activate the panel in the middle by standing in the middle of it while there's ads around you. That's really cool. That that brings back memories of Vault of Glass. But the other two strikes, it, it just didn't seem like... It, it seems like they made it easier and, and they dumbed them down. That's just me. One thing I do want to point out before we move on is we have all at some point said we are looking forward to a nightfall. When was the last time that happened? It, it's been a... It's been a hot minute <laughs> i i just uh, i i want there to be a challenge with regards to this game that isn't based solely on arc burn solar burn but because sometimes those those burns i i understand being careful or whatnot but sometimes these burns are just a little stupid i keep going back to the shield brother strike with solar burn that's the stupidest a most annoying usage of a burn right there. It's just, it's completely ridiculous. I'm all for challenges that are fair. That room is just not fair at all. There's nothing right about that burn. It doesn't feel right. It feels like you have to resort to cheeses. And it feels like these, that in some way, shape, or form, we're going to get a nightfall with regards to 
one of these strikes that is just going to be absolutely ridiculous with regards to a burn or whatever. And and I don't I don't like that. I like challenges like the raid where you clearly messed up because you didn't do the mechanic. That's on you. And it feels like these knife falls rely too much on these modifiers as opposed to real challenges. And that's been a problem with this game for quite some time. And I hope that they take a lesson and improve that for Destiny 2. Because sometimes having mobs is a good thing. Having all these enemies challenge you and, and being in the correct position is a good thing. And not relying on, oh, look, I can do more damage and clear these guys faster because I have my fate bringer. Like, that's the main reason people want those primaries back is so that they can clear Nightfalls a lot quicker. And I, I, I understand why they like those weapons, and it's really cool, but outside of Nightfalls, did you really use Fatebringer for, for, because of its arc burn? Of course not. So, well, you, want, you want what's funny is um, this week's Heroic Strikes actually have arc burn, and I was just thinking about this. I, I hadn't really thought about this prior to this, but... Um, when I was playing them and I was running around using Zalo and stuff and they nerfed the damage output from enemies to guardians based off burns and it really didn't feel like I was playing on a burn thinking back because I did do Omnigal on Arc Burn and I did the, oh shoot, what's what's the new strike from Rise of Iron that's got the giant invincible ogre? The Wretched Eye? Yeah, that one. I did that one and that one's usually a pain in the butt on Arc Burn because of all the shanks that come down from the ceiling but... In doing all the strikes, I never even thought about the fact that I was on arc burn just because the enemy damage output, I, I mean, it felt like they nerfed it a lot because I, I really wasn't having trouble with anything that had arc burn coming at me. Yeah, I noticed that as well. Zalo felt it, great, but it's the only time it, I it, use it. <laughs> it. It may, yeah, the only time I ever use Zalo is whenever it's arc burn. That, that's unfortunate for that weapon, but... Um, but at least it has a niche. It does have a niche, and, and it does have a use. That that that, that is true. It's, it's it's really unfortunate that outside of the year one exotics, a lot of these weapons don't have too many niche or, or too many uses, I should say. Um, and even then, it's most mostly the mostly the the. The year one armor and weapons. I mean, I mean, there there are several armors from year three. For example, the Frosties, which are really really good when paired up with other items. Ophidian uh, aspect. Ophidian aspect. Ophidian aspect. Ophidian aspect's good. amazing. Don't yeah degrade the Ophidian aspect, Jorge. The the Ophidian aspect is really good, but they're amazing. If, they're they're amazing. Really <laughs> they're okay. Amazing. <laughs> Agree to disagree. Uh, but, but yeah, the, I I just feel like a lot of the other exotics they don't get their time to shine. Maybe it's because there's they don't have a burn. Maybe it's time to give them burns or give them the ability to burn. It's kind of like you know putting on, oh what is it called the um, the chroma. On weapons, you can give your last word arc burn. Pa 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 pa. I mean, I've been saying since year one that exotic primary should have burns and nothing else, and that that made sense to me that back in year one, and I understood that raid weapons 
could have um, the burns because then it's like, oh, like now you have legendaries on par with what I think exotics should have. But I mean, I've never understood why these exotics, which aren't always that special, can't have that one more special thing. And they did it with Zalo and haven't done it since, which really doesn't make sense to me because why just have one with a burn? Yeah. You know, if you added the ability to give your exotic primaries a burn, how would you go about doing that, though, in a fair way? Exotic would you want it shards. to be challenged? Just basically pump a bunch of shards into it and have the ability pop up? I mean, material burn you want? Yeah, why not? Yeah, just... Okay. I think you'd want to make it a little bit of a challenge, but I guess shards are in a can be in short demand sometimes. But Zer sells them now. So. Well, this again, uh, it's true, very true. Crazy idea here, but what if it coming? Obviously, this wouldn't come to something like Destiny Two. But what if they incorporated something like Call of Duty has, where you level up guns, and by leveling up the guns, say you get to level twenty with this gun, now you get a choice at a burn to put on this gun. Meaning you'd actually have to invest time into these guns. Yeah, that'd be cool. I'd be down for that. So, yeah, that's what I wanted to talk about with regards to those strikes. Uh, I just feel a little bit too easy and not enough challenge. And it's kind of sad, uh, especially with regards to Willow Crota for me, which was one of the perfect strikes because of its length. It felt like something that you wanted to spend time on or should spend time on and it should move forward with, and that's how most strikes should move forward a little bit of length instead of just a five minute mission that you can complete real quick because you have the burn. Let's move on to crucible, uh, crucible corner in particular, David's little section and talk about, where is that sandbox update, damn it? I know, man. So <laughs> I know. So, so we had changes to SRL. We had changes to strikes. We had changes to everything. And everybody expected some sort of weapon balancing patch. And Cosmos was like, nope. Okay. He didn't say nope, but his exact words were, while we did not include a balance patch in the dawning, we are listening to your feedback. We appreciate all of you who return to Destiny over and over again, and we respect the things you have to say about what you are seeing and feeling as you play it. They did mention Matador, or the Mapador as people call it. And the reason that they haven't really um, done an update is because, this is Bungie's quote, we're looking at solutions that could bring shotguns into a better state of balance with the rest of the guns in the game. In doing this, we would still want shotguns to be effective and fun to wield. We could quickly and easily break shotguns and call it a day, but it's important to us that we explore positive changes that make Destiny better for everyone. Basically, they're finally going to listen to people and buff stuff instead of nerfing everything. Yeah, I, I don't think shotguns are necessarily too op i mean yeah the, those god roll matadors are a little ridiculous but but are they you, yeah well if you like, compare think, them to but think back to like year one fell winters these yeah, matadors the word, suck. Yeah, that's exactly what i was gonna say is like the year one fell winters those things those are snipers and yeah they're, they're not nearly to that level right now so yeah hopefully they do just start 
balancing out by buffing other specials. Uh, buffing other primaries. It, That's what we primaries, need. Primaries, yeah. Primaries need a bit of a buff and a little bit of a balance. Clever dragon. And <laughs> yeah, I think you'll be in a good place as far as weapon balance if they do that. So um, we definitely need buffs to primaries and some buffs to other specials. I think fusion rifles could be touched a little bit more and... Sniper rifles could get a little bit, little bit more of a touchback to where they used to be. But uh, what's funny is I have a heavy, heavy tinfoil hat conspiracy going that they changed hand cannons with this update and didn't tell anybody because for some reason hand cannons feel better since SRL dropped. I don't know what it is. It could just be maybe I'm playing more with connection-based matchmaking and the connection's better so the hand cannons feel better, but... For some reason, it just feels like my shots are landing way more consistency and consistently and less ghost bullets are affecting me as I play with them. I mean, I've been using Thorn and doing fantastic, which is something that has not happened since year two. Well, that's interesting. You mean year one? No, year two. Year two. Thorn was good in year two. Beginning of year two. Thorn was very good. You just had to use it where light didn't matter. Hmm. Mm. Have you used a uh, Hawkmoon? Yeah, feels great. Does it? Last that word used to be my feels baby. great. I have to play with. I have to do some Hawkmoon. I don't know what it is, dude. I'm week. telling you, it's just hand cannons feel great right now for some reason. They feel better mm. than they did last week. That's that's good to know because uh, you know instead of getting you know these ill wills and such as Crucible drops, we're starting to see Eyes Luna drop now and other weapons that are good. So, yeah, maybe I'll get that God Roll Eyes Luna and play with it again. Every time I get an Eyes Luna, it has, like, the worst roll it could possibly have, and I always get super mad. It's one such day, a good gun. One day I'll get one. I just got just, a good Matador, actually. So, hopefully they don't nerf the crap out of that gun, because I want to use it. I don't think they will. It's, it's just nice to be able to get those Eyes Lunas again from drops, because... It was sad to see them go or not show up for some reason. They brought back party crashers and a bunch of other guns to to the Crucible. So people have been like, oh, I'm getting all these different weapons that I didn't get previously. And now with the changes that they did to the rewards where um, you'd no longer get legendary engrams, you're getting actual weapons and stuff. It feels great with regards to getting rewarded in the Crucible. But... Maybe a little too great, but we've already discussed that um, with regards to light level anyway. Um, I haven't played around with hand cannons, as you mentioned, yet. I've been doing a lot of SRL and strikes, just because that's what this update's really about. Not so much the weapon, so I cannot confirm nor deny your hand cannon theory. Um, But I believe your situation is more with regards to connection than anything else well, that's just... probably but you know i can have conspiracies can't i no because you're weird oh anyway okay um that was oppressive right <laughs> <laughs> no with regards to shotguns I, I i this is gonna sound weird i do think that they need their range increased so that they can actually do damage at range not so much that they can one hit kill at range that's that's always been the problem 
the one hit kill oh. with regards to shotguns has always been the problem. I get what you're saying. You want the actual range longer, but the damage drop off to kind of stay the same. Correct. I feel you. I just feel like they need to do something to make higher rate of fire. Honestly, I think they should just make higher rate of fire shotguns do as much damage as the high impact ones and just give them the 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 light of day for once. And then people will complain because people will be running around spamming the high rate of fire shotguns. But who cares if they like buff primaries to the point where you can kill a shotgun before he gets to you, then what does it matter if he's got an even better shotgun? I, I think the biggest problem, as we've mentioned here, is just it, there's way too much special ammo and it doesn't feel special. And you'll have situations where people will just camp corners because they have 13, 14 shots in their shotgun. They're like, okay, whatever. I'll just wait right here till the next fool comes by. And then, bam, blast his head off. Let me tell you oh, something, uh, though. If you're using a high rate of fire shotgun right now, it, it feels like there's no special ammo. Right. So, that, uh, that's the trade-off for using a high rate of fire. You, you shouldn't be using a high rate of fire. Uh, I, th- there's many things we could talk about with regards to Crucible that we've already touched on, and I kind of don't want to retread old topics, even though it's very relevant to the situation right here. It just feels like the adjustments that need to make are ones that they haven't been making for some reason ever, or have, or they previously did it, and then they were like, "You guys complain, so we're gonna bring it back." With regards to the special ammo and um, what is it, Trials of Osiris, which I thought was a really well done change, and then they removed it. I was like, Ugh, why? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it made sense to me in Trials just because what it became is it was people would just sit back and wait for special ammo anyway. But um, yeah, I mean, in general, you're right. We we don't really have to discuss this because we discussed it a bunch. Um, I'm sure if you listen to the last five podcasts, you'd hear us talk about the sandbox four out of the five times. But um, we'll we'll discuss this more heavily whenever the update does come, which looks like it'll be in January. I'm hoping sooner rather than later. Essentially, though, I think they're gonna they're gonna use this update as a like air quote content drop because people do get excited over crucible changes and weapon balancing so this will kind of be like oh we have a couple weeks off here let's drop in a weapon balance okay here's your weapon balance play with this for a few weeks okay now we have crimson dumbles and that way they can kind of keep it seeming like things are coming to us over and over even though a weapon balance isn't really anything new coming to us yeah so with that trials of osiris on bannerfall David, oh uh, well, time's yours. You know, Bannerfall. It's been played a couple times now for trials. It's a very open map. Um, snipers, def- quite a few times. Yeah, get your sniper like diapers on. Third time, isn't it? Third or no, third or no. fourth time? I don't know. It's been it's been more than three or four times. I don't think it has. Maybe yeah. I'm crazy. Yes, you are. Anyway, um, definitely sniper map. You see a ton of snipers. Shotguns are getting a break for the most part this week. But if you know how to use them and you hang out in that top area and don't let people snipe you from down by the tree, you can do some work with them. Um, I haven't played it at all this weekend. I'm actually taking a weekend off trials for the sake of it's just been getting kind of stale for me lately. 
which is something that if you're um, having trouble with trials or, you know, getting the rage on, just do it. Just take a break. It'll be there next week. It's one of those things that comes every week. So by missing out in one week, you're, you're really not missing out that bad. But um, it is a ton of fun. Play patient and you'll do good. Play fast and you can also do good. So it's a good map for all play styles. Yeah, I mean, I've already discussed this for the longest time. I felt Trials of Osiris has just gotten really, really stale, at least for me anyway. Um, it wasn't until the um, the Halloween update that I felt compelled to go back to Trials. And ever since then, I haven't really played Trials at all. It's just, it, 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 there's just nothing, there's nothing really that's enticing me, even though they, they did a small change with regards to, well, hold up. You know what? There is something that they did change that annoys me because that's not how I read it originally. And what ended up happening isn't what's really there. So remember how there was a materials exchange that they mentioned with regards to the passage coins yeah he's supposed to be yeah, able to use passage able to coins to to get materials right like turn them well, you use you use you can turn you can in turn passage in, coins i thought it was moats get, for passage coins no it's it's not that you you get moats of light for turning in passage coins that's it what you don't it's not the it's not the other way around are you sure yeah, I'm, um, I'm positive. That's, like, that's, what, that's that is the way I read. That is that's the, the opposite of what I read it. Exactly. And, and and when I checked it out, I was like, wait a minute. I see the option for Motes of Light. Where's the option to buy Passage Coins? Because I know that there's people who struggle every week to get... Um, to get Passage Coins. Yeah. I mean, they, right. they did add some stuff. Like when I was playing, you get Passage Coins on your weekly Crucibles and then on your daily Crucible you get three automatically. And I think if you play in the daily, you can keep getting them. But I know your first three of your weekly, you get passage coins there. So you're going to be getting it around nine a week, plus all mm. your bounties from trials. But I I thought you were going to be able to buy them. That's brother that's Vance, weird. Brother Vance now offers it. materials exchange for passage coins and motes of light. I have to check because when I went over there, when I went over there, I had Motes of Light and it didn't give me the option to buy Passage Coins, but it did allow me to change Passage Coins to Motes of Light. So did, I don't know did Motes of what Light the situation give you the... was. Okay, so here's what, here's what the I found it on the thing. It says, Brother Vanch now offers material exchange for Passage Coins and Motes of Light. A lot of Guardians yeah. have found themselves short on Passage Coins when Trials of Cyrus goes live. Brother Vance will now offer them in exchange for Motes of Light. That sounds like if you give Motes of Light, you get Passage Coins. Right, which is why I'm confused because when I actually went over there to buy them, it didn't show up for me. That's it, I'm turning on my PlayStation. We're going to find out. <laughs> yes, please find out. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm not saying that, that I'm absolutely 100% correct. I was just surprised because I know I had Motes of Light. To switch over to Passage Coins just to see the change. Because I, I, whenever there's an update or whatever, I go to all the different vendors just to make sure. And I was under the impression that you'd be able to buy those coins. And it, when I went over there, I was just like, how come I don't see the option? So if you had Modes of Light and it did not give you the option to purchase Passage Coins, 
and or anything else. Yeah, when when I went over there, I had modes of light. It didn't give me the option to buy passage coins. Did it give you the but, option to purchase any materials like planetary? But it, it did give me the no. It did mm-hmm. give me the option to buy modes of light because I had passage coins on me. Okay, yeah, because that's yeah, just like David read and I read before that. Brother Vance now offers materials exchange for passage coins and modes of light. So I'm reading that as if you have passage coins or modes of light, you can get material exchange for those oh, two items. Well, well, right below it is where it explains it to to me. I don't know. We're, yeah, we're I'm, Destiny's I'm not reading enough for the me. same. I'm not reading this on the, the fly right now. You. you have more detail. I'm just yeah. reading the update notes. Yeah. Mine is from the, the weekly update is where it says a lot of guardians have found short and passage coins. Brother Vance will now offer them exchange for modes of light. It's okay. we're, we're going to find out, you know, destiny yeah, takes a while to load, but so keep, <laughs> keep talking guys. Let's just keep talking here for a second. So the, yeah. So while, while you're looking this up, um, I do want to bring up a, a topic for next week. So all of you listening with regards to the show, uh, make sure that you guys are sending us questions at inorbitpodcast at gmail.com. What changes do you want to see for both Crucible and the Trials of Osiris event that you believe will enhance the experience that we currently have? And um, when I say changes, I'm not talking about weapon balancing or whatnot. I'm talking about... actual changes maybe a new mode or a new game style or whatnot so send us any ideas to inorbitpodcast at gmail.com so david were you able to pull it up yet or i'm flying into the reef right now okay this is a live fact check so you know bear with us a (laughs) live fact check no i i hope i'm wrong and and maybe i was just running into a situation that it didn't pop up for me. I, I, I just, it, it felt very, very weird that I could buy those motes of light, but not the passage coins. It, it's weird to me that they would word it in the way they did. If you can't buy passage coins. And, and it, you know, what's also weird to me whenever there's an update, there's always that. Um, it's like, well, we did. Well, we did do the update. We did notice that there's some bugs still with regards to this this game, and we'll be monitoring them. I'm like, wait, what? It's <laughs> like, then why didn't you address the bugs? Yeah, this late in the game, you think they would do that before an update, since they're just so, updates, <laughs> not a new game. <laughs> right. Like, like with every update, there's there's a there's a section called emerging issues. Such as Momentum Armor from SRL 2015 Record Book is not unlocking in the Holiday Collection for players who have already unlocked this gear. The Memory of Fellwinter Iron Lord Artifact prevents players from activating the super with the Aegis Relic, the shield, from the Nexus Strike on Venus. Um, which is interesting to see if that, that if artifact will affect you in Vault of Glass. Patrol mm. activities requiring players to collect items from defeated enemies are not functioning reliably in the plague lens. that i have seen that has happened to me with regards to um bugs in the game uh for example collect siva clusters or whatever from fallen bipedal enemies 
I would just not get anything. And then I had to get rid of the uh, patrol mission, which is a problem if the only patrols that are popping up are the ones where you have to collect items from defeated enemies. So, Bungie, get your stuff together because that's not good, especially when you're getting those Shiro bounties that require you to complete patrols in the Plague Lands. So, do you want the live fact check? Go ahead. You can do it. it. It's one, you get one passage coin for each mode of light you give him, and you get one mode of light for each three passage coins you give him. Okay. So you just might not have had modes of light or something. I don't know. It's possible. I, I could have sworn I had modes of light to switch over, or I may not have had enough, or whatever the, whatever the, the currency exchange is. So, thank you for fact-checking that. I was never claiming to be 100% correct. I just wanted... It just seemed weird that when I went to go switch, it didn't pop... The option didn't pop up for me at the time. All right. And... Any other thoughts before we go into messages from the Reef, guys? No, I'm just going to sit here and patiently wait, and not so patiently wait, for the Sandbox update. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm good. Let's get to questions. Cool, so let's go into messages from the reef. So the first question comes from James, and his question is, does the fact that they are updating these strikes and potentially ignoring Grimoire affect how you feel that they are approaching story in the future? Um, well, I'm not sure what he means by ignoring Grimoire. I think they do their best to bring back these strikes in a way that fits with the story and make it so that a storyline brings them back, which kudos to them for doing, because honestly, I don't care if they bring it back with a story. I know a lot of people do, but at the same time, if we already do these strikes over and over and over again, what does it matter if they bring us back for it to, for us to do it over and over and over again, again? Um, I don't see that as them approaching story differently or ignoring the story. I just see it as people want more content and ask to do these strikes. So they bring them back and they want to bring them back in a way that isn't the same. They want to bring in um, new mechanics and stuff. So they do their best to explain it with this with a story, but it's not necessary to explain it with a story. And I don't think that means they're ignoring Grimoire's story. Yeah, I, don't, I certainly don't think they're ignoring the grimoire and these new strikes and whatnot. They're adding to it, if anything. Um, and let's face it, the story for Destiny is it's a little choppy and disjointed anyway. So um, giving us new content that has a story and somewhat fits into the existing grimoire and adds to it, I think that's great. I think they're doing a very good job with what they have right now. Cool. Uh, second question comes from Kevin. Do you believe that Iron Banner will have any future changes or other modes going forward? Mm, I don't think so until Destiny 2. Um, I'd love to see Capture the Flag for it or see them give us a choice to play 3v3 in Iron Banner, but I really don't see any big changes coming to Iron Banner until Destiny 2. I don't think we're going to see 3v3 uh, ever. I think it's going to stay a 6v6 mode. Um, And yeah, I also agree. They're not going to have a new game mode. Um, They're not going to do that to Destiny 1. That that would be a big ask. Destiny 2 is coming pretty soon, I would would imagine. And at that point, 
I would expect to see a new game mode that'll fit in Iron Banner, hopefully more than one new game mode. I'm still hoping for Iron Banner Mayhem, but that's just me. All right. <laughs> and the next Literally question just is, you. Dude, I'm well, if, here's the thing, like Iron Banner Mayhem would fit storyline-wise with what they're talking about since Iron they they talk about it a lot in Iron Banner using the light as a weapon you are literally using your light as a weapon well in mayhem my problem with that would be it contradict everything they've i mean they already do contradict because from the beginning they were always saying that Iron Banner was in-game competitive play and it was never competitive that's what they called it though they wanted it to be in-game content that is the competitive form of the crucible and as time has gone on they've treated it less and less like in-game content and competitive content they cater to people who want to play solo a lot which like i'm sorry if you have to play solo and you don't have teams but there are plenty of avenues for you to get teams and clans through lfg and um iron banner is supposed to be played as a team that's why i've never understood the complaints against iron banner rift which i've always loved because it's supposed to be played as a team. It's supposed to be in-game content. It's essentially the the raid equivalent of PvP. And um, Mayhem just doesn't fit anything that they have preached Iron Banner to be. I'm not saying they, they wouldn't or couldn't do it. It's just if they did it, it would be the, the, the no return point for Bungie saying that Iron Banner's actual competitive in-game content. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying, David, but I have conflictions because I don't, I really don't want to ignore the solo player. I go in solo sometimes to play. Uh, I don't always have a fire team to go in with to play Iron Banner or regular Crucible. Um, so there would have to be some, there would have to be a give and take there. You have to make sure you're taking the solo player into account and ensuring that they are enjoying the, excuse me, enjoying the experience as well. I mean, I, I go in solo, it's just the matter of the way they, they say it's supposed to be played. If you're going to go in solo, you have to be willing to work with people who aren't in a party with you. Put your mic in, try and talk to them. And some people will just kind of ignore you and go do their own thing. But at the same time, like the other people need to understand as well that it's a competitive game mode. If you have a team of six solo people who are willing to work together as a team, you can still win against full teams. Yeah, no, that's true. When I go on solo, I pay attention to what the other players in my team are doing and play to them. I, I sort of turn into more of a support player when I'm in there solo uh, most times to make sure that I'm staying with the pack, so to speak, especially when we're playing Iron Banner Rift. Um, maybe a, some sort of a short tutorial that pops up uh, before you start matches for Iron Banner if you're solo, just to remind you how to play the game. You know, friendly reminder. <laughs> Maybe that could be something. <laughs> well, they do it in other games. They they pop up a quick tutorial about the game mode before you go into a match sometimes. It doesn't I mean, happen Shax throughout. does say capture the rift. Right, but a little bit more than that, like something <laughs> written or, you know, like a like a little cutscene to explain how the game, how the mode works when you enter you. your first Iron Banner match of the week. Yeah, that that being said, I honestly believe that with regards to Destiny 2, the solo player is going to have a really, really tough time because it just everything that I see 
um, with regards to Destiny 2, the the hints and the rumors just point to a more MMO-like experience. And if that's the case, people are going to have trouble being so going solo and stuff. And that's going to be interesting. And I think that's going to affect everything from Iron Banner to strikes, if there are strikes or whatever they cho- choose to do, whatever in the future. But yeah, I, I think Destiny 2 is going to be less of a solo experience and more of a social experience than what we have right now with destiny yeah and again i don't want to backpedal on what i said about solo players enjoying the experience but the social aspect of destiny it's one of its crowning achievements so you know i i i think that's probably going to be the case bungie tends to listen and watch what's going on and that you know that that's that's going to be something they're going to emphasize in destiny 2 i almost guarantee it yeah, and screw you, solo player. I'm just joking. <laughs> joking. It's a joke, but screw you. Anyway, uh, question number three comes from Daniel. What else can this game do in the future to keep us enticed until Destiny 2? Uh, well, um, we have Crimson Doubles, which I hope they change up a little, kind of expand on it. We have... Oh, I don't know. Some updates. They they can bring back the old raids, which has been a big talking point that that may be coming in April. Um, a lot of people think the strikes that they've brought back point to them bringing those raids back in April, um, which I would not be opposed to. I, I totally think they should leave everything exactly as it is, though, with uh, burns and everything. They kind of did that before year two, where they let you bring everything back. To, to full power i kind of think they should do that again and then well i don't think the companies they brought in have been brought in to produce new content for bungie's game i think bungie wants to keep the content producing mainly with themselves i think these other companies are just to help with designs of things porting um maybe armor and stuff like that like high moon studios has shown they're gonna do um there is potential that these other companies could be working on some sort of a small expansion for before Destiny 2. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's that been my theory. Is I, I mean, I don't, I don't think it'll happen for Destiny 1. And of course, again, we reiterate, Destiny 1 is everything from vanilla to Rise of Iron. Um... I believe that either High Moon or Vicarious, whichever one it is, is working on the PC port, and then the other one is working on DLC for the game, like actual DLC, a a a full version of everything from I don't know Dark Below and House of Wolves combined into one, maybe a little bit larger experience, and then they still have a live team. That works on holiday events. That way they don't have to go back like they did with this holiday event and update strikes, update dungeons or whatever you want to call it in the future. Because um, the, the, the unfortunate thing with updating the dungeons is it shows how little content you really have. It's fun to do these strikes again, but... F- you're doing items that you've already done. And, and the unfortunate thing is the cool thing about the Taken King was you got all these brand new strikes. You had four brand new strikes. 
And that still wasn't enough. And at a certain point, you need to have about the same amount of strikes that you had in year one, like at the very beginning, um, to really bring out uh, the people and, and to, to keep them engaged. Four strikes is not enough. Eight strikes is a better number um, because at a certain point, you just get tired of doing the same thing over and over and over again. And I know David mentioned that, oh, you know, I, I don't mind doing these old strikes again, you know, and it, it doesn't, it, by changing them, it doesn't really, at a certain point, you just get tired. I, I got tired of doing, uh, what is his name? Valus to Arik, hearing his damn name. It was like, landed a compel tank in, on Mars, on the Rubicon base. Like, shut up, Zaval. I don't care. Well, like, the one thing I'll say real quick, and then let you continue, so I already cut you off, is my point was more, I don't care if they remaster strikes when they bring them back, because I'll get the same enjoyment out of playing, like, a, a slightly changed strike versus the original strike, because what you're saying holds completely true, especially because they seem to bring down the rotation number to the newer strikes, and you're only playing the newer strikes, and playing that same strike over and over and over and over and over again gets really, really old. Mm -hmm. And not all strike bosses have to be, for example, a, a, a special version of a captain. Like, why can't it be, for example, the strike boss is a spider tank whose special mechanic is he has these two shield generators on the side that re that regenerate every so often after you destroy them, and you have to use that to d do damage to him. It, just take a large thing that you already a large asset that you already have, and just modify it. They did it with the tank, and or they have a tank for the cabal. They could easily modify that and and add certain things where you have to take down the tank, and that tank is your boss. It's, not everything has to be a giant version of an enemy that already exists. And that's the problem that, that happens too much in this game. Um, it's just a lot of these bosses, not, there's not enough individuality. Um, for example, I love the bosses from year two. Um, a lot cool. Yes, he was, in many respects, he was just a giant knight, but he acted way differently than the other knights in the game. Um, the Shield Brothers were really, really well done. It wasn't a giant version of a Colossus. Like, it felt like its own enemy. And and enemies like that, yes, they're hard to create, but it's necessary for a game like this. And, and with regards to the original question, which we kind of went off on a long tangent, um, I hope there's at least one new strike in the future. And I hope that there are changes with regards to the, to the night uh, to the old raids, because I think that's the only thing that they can do. I don't think there's much more that they really can do with regards to this current game. I think we're at the absolute edge of what they can do. It wouldn't surprise me if they had a couple new missions that involve going into the Wrath of the Machine raid. I'm not wouldn't be surprised if they didn't do it. I mean, there, there's a lot of assets in there that they can use to create a mission. But with regards to um, 
the actual game that we have right now, I I think we're we're tapped out on the potential of what we can do. Yeah, I'd agree there. Um, you know, I was thinking about a lot of things while you were going over your response there. Um, the boss thing. One of the things I want to see is bosses like maybe the Scion flares, for instance, instead of going for size, which you know, in in part is a is a visual representation of the of the power of the enemy that you're attacking and going up against, but maybe go smaller. Scion flares were great. They were small. They were sort of a pain in the butt sometimes. Um, imagine like taking something like a Scion flare size boss, making a move quicker, and all of a sudden it feels like a, like a 1v1 crucible match or a 3v3 crucible match where you're shooting these guys and they're shooting you back and they're moving quickly and dodging bullets. And that would be cool. I think that'd be awesome. You know, I had an, uh, a lot of people have mentioned, not just me, you know, doing some sort of boss that feels like you're fighting another guardian. And you know, that would be neat. And instead of these big giant bosses that are sort of bullet sponges, maybe have a few mechanics to them, but for the most part are just big blobs. Um, another thing that you mentioned there is, uh, these other studios that are coming in. Now, uh, Jorge, a question for you before I get back um, to the reader's question is, are you theorizing that these studios are actually going to be working on larger DLCs to include more strikes? Was that sort of like all, like, is that all part of your theory there? My theory is this, like at a certain point, Bungie has to realize, okay, we have enough people to work on a game, but we don't have the time to work on a DLC. And they may be handing the reins off to another one of these, for example, to Vic let's just say Vicarious Visions. I, I have no proof. This is the case. This is just a theory. It would most likely be let's High Moon. High Moon or whichever one. I, 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 remember, I know that one of them has 50 employees. The other one has... About 250, 300 employees. So whoever has the 50 employees most likely is working on the PC port. And the larger one has the, um, we'll say the DLC. They can easily work on a DLC that's completely contained by themselves. Using the same engine, using the same assets. Since they, we already know High Moon has access to the engine or assets of the game. Because they created... Um, the armor or the, uh, an artist there created an armor piece for the game. So it wouldn't be too much to expect the large group that is working on Destiny 2 at Bungie are currently working on Destiny 2. The side team at whichever one it is, Vicarious or High Moon, is working on a DLC that'll come out, let's say, this is just again, hypothetical, in February, and it'll have this, this, and this, let's say five new strikes, four to five new strikes to expand on year four. So we'll say year two, again, this is just going by what we have with regards to Destiny, because for what we know, Destiny 2 can change how we approach strikes and whatnot. But let's say Destiny 2 has 10 strikes, and the DLC has 5 additional strikes and new maps. And that's all done by High Moon or whoever. And 
Bungie takes care of the main game. In in many ways, I want to go and think of it kind of like how the Magic used to do it. And I'm talking about Magic the Gathering. You had six edition, and then you had three mini editions that you could buy booster packs for, uh, but they still are in the six edition thing. So Bungie makes sure, make sure that the entire package for that year fits within the original parameters, and then the mini editions or the updates or whatever are handled by the, the other company. Okay, yeah, no, that makes sense. That would be cool if they did that. If they're doing that, I can see how that will actually result in meteor uh, DLCs in the future for maybe Destiny 1 and hopefully more for Destiny 2. Because like we said, I think Destiny 1 is... You know, it's it it it's it's basically done. We're, we're probably going. We should get more content to play, but you know, the focus should be hopefully on Destiny Two. So, yeah, these new studios are probably mostly working on Destiny Two. Maybe getting their feet wet by doing some Destiny One content in the meantime, though. Um, my, right. sorry. No, that's okay. Go on. I was gonna say my only problem with that is then we fall into Call of Duty syndrome where. Um, you have the main publisher Bungie making essentially the best content and then these other um, companies making content for the game that just doesn't feel like Destiny feels because no company will be able to capture Destiny's feel like Bungie can. Mm, and you'll yeah, be able Arkham to feel Origins. when it's right. You'll be able to feel that it's from a different company and I would rather have slightly less content that feels the Bungie feel than I would have constant non-stop every month releases with these like random companies fingerprints all over it where it just doesn't feel like a destiny and i'm waiting till bungie produces their content to really be excited as well hmm. i i honestly believe that it's never going to feel like a non-bungie game um and with regards to the engine we already know that the engine and everything with regards to the game is developed by Bungie. So if, let's say, Bungie gives, again, let's just use High Moon Studios. Let's pretend High Moon is making the DLC. Bungie's like, okay, this is what we did for year four. This is Destiny 2. This is the foundation of the game right here. We had this many missions. We need you to, here's the storyline to close out year four. And you're going to be doing the DLC. This is what you need to do. We have, here's the final boss. Make it, uh, we have the assets here. Use these to create uh, the, the, com the completion of year four for Destiny 2. We're currently working on year five. If Bungie lays out that this is what year or Destiny 2 is, for the, the first year of Destiny 2, this is where uh, the first part takes you to. The DLC takes you to the next part. And High Moon is, is only doing assets for the game, putting it together, putting strikes together. And let's and what if... Because it, it's hard to believe that these studios aren't having people stay at, for example, Bungie to learn what makes the game or learn what makes or what they're doing. It, it, I, I really doubt that they're just, you know, oh, you know, we're over here. Whenever you need us, send us some stuff to do. You know, I, I, it's not like that. I, I am almost guaranteeing you that there's somebody staying over there at Bungie from High Moon to ensure that there is a consistency to the 
product. That it's not just, oh, we're here whenever you need us. Oh, you need a, you need us to create something? Here's a here's an armor piece. Hooray! No, they're definitely yeah. bringing these studios on with a plan. They're they're probably sending studios or talking to these studios with some sort of a uh, yeah, like like a pre-designed scope for what they want them to do. And the studios are saying, okay, we can do that. All right, let's do it. Right, right. but at the same time, um, the way you have to look at it is Bungie. Realistically, Bungie isn't who's bringing in these studios. It's Activision that's bringing in the studios. And I, I get what you're saying, Jorge, about Bun or Destiny will feel like Destiny because they're working together and may maybe Bungie is laying out what needs to be done. But at the end of the day, like this is this is why I was using Call of Duty as an example. Call of Duty is Call of Duty is Call of Duty. Like no matter what, it's the same game. But it's not because when a different company makes it, you can feel it. You can feel it in how the guns play. You can feel it in the movement. You can feel it in the map layout. Everything is different from the Infinity Ward games to when Infinity Ward used to have the people that are now at Respawn Gaming to when Treyarch makes the game to when Sledgehammer Games makes the game. There is a huge difference um, it, with Call of Duty. You had gotten into this very consistent feel of um, Infinity Ward than Treyarch, Infinity Ward than Treyarch, and you knew what to expect each year, but it wasn't what you had the year before. It was a completely different feel because a different company was who was producing it. Then Sledgehammer Games came in with Advanced Warfare, and it felt entirely different. Even though at the heart of it, it's still Call of Duty. It's still supposed to be the exact same game. Activision is still overlooking all of it. It feels completely different because a different company is who is putting it out, and no matter what. If Bungie is not the company making something, it's going to feel different. If High Moon Studios makes a strike, even if it is in Destiny and uses Destiny's engines, it's going to feel different because it is a different company making that game and it doesn't have the feel. Bungie isn't going to give High Moon Studio all their tips of the trade because they're working with them on one project because Bungie still has to preserve the Bungie feel for any projects it has in the future. And they don't want to give that to other companies so that High Moon Studios can then go and use it on a different game because High Moon Studios has done work with Call of Duties as well. And Bungie doesn't want them to go take that their their shooter feel to Call of Duty because then Destiny loses the uniqueness that Bungie has created for it, which is why it worries me if Activision, because it is going to be Activision who makes this call at the end of the day, is then having these other companies produce content for Destiny because it no longer feels like Destiny. It feels like a new company's interpretation of Destiny. Well, I, yeah. I think you're, I don't think you're ignoring it, but you didn't mention the legalities of this. The, the, these companies that are working together with Bungie or Activision, um, there are definitely legal agreements in place, NDAs and such. There's IP involved with how these games are designed. So um, even if a company comes in and uh, gets to see how Bungie makes these games um, from the ground up, they likely have agreements in place. And there's IP in place for these games like Destiny that... Uh, prevents other studios and companies from legally taking what Bungie has and making it their own. So you probably but, won't see that. But that wasn't, I understand what you're saying, but that's not what I, what I was referring to. What I'm referring to is when Bungie makes a shooter game, it always feels super clean because of the way they design their shooting aspects. 
versus how Infinity Wards feel, versus how Treyarch feels, versus how Sledgehammer Games feels. And if Bungie were to 100% give High Moon Studio how they make it feel this way, then High Moon Studio, there's there's no non-disclosure agreement or anything that could stop the the people who create games for High Moon Studios then just programming their ways in the style that Destiny programs their games. And then Bungie loses its uniqueness because other games are using that exact same Bungie style and it's coming from different companies. But at the same time, I don't think anybody besides Bungie could make a game in the way Bungie does because all these people have been working with Bungie for so long and they come in and they learn from the people who have been doing it. And then you get this this continuing aspect with their company, which is again, why even if Bungie were to show High Moon Studio how to do it, High Moon Studio isn't using the exact same equipment. They may be using the same servers and the same IPs and all that stuff, but regardless, at the end of the day, it's the people who are designing it that is gonna make it feel in a way and it will feel different. I guarantee you it will feel different if a different company is one who produces the game or any yeah. content for that yeah, game. Yeah, I agree, I agree with that. Uh, I, I think that, that there's that there's enough oversight by Bungie to prevent it from feeling too different. Um, with regards to this, you, you, we have to remember the product itself is a property of Bungie. And while Activision can, you know, provide assistance and does have control over the promotional aspects and the releases of, of it, if at the end of the day, if Bungie says no, that's it. Um, Bungie's Bungie said no. I think you're overestimating Bungie's power in the fact that because Activision is the publisher and Activision is paying for everything, well, we would like to say that Bungie can say no. That's not how it works in this world. In this world, the person with money is who gets to say something. And that's why I, I'm almost certain the reason why we've seen such um, inclusion of uh, the pay to get to well, well i can't i think of what it's called microtransactions into the game is because that's an activision thing everything that's being involved with microtransactions activision has already had in other games for a long time and the people who have the money get to make the final calls because at the end of the day everybody at bungie currently works for activision and activision will at the end of the day make the final call as to if they need more content out yeah we're going to put high moon studios on it because we have these other companies working with us signed an agreement with you and we want that to happen and bungie at a point will no longer get to say um no like we want to take three years to put out a new thing because activision is like no we're paying you we want money now we're going to have these other companies put it out and that's when you start to lose the uniqueness of bungie producing destiny and all these other companies getting their own little thing on it and it just starts to not feel the same so again i get what you're saying but again i think you're giving too much control to activision when very clearly yet let's let's be honest bungie did something or was able to get away with something that no other studio has they were able to tell activision destiny 2 is not coming out this year because it's not good enough it's going to come out next year. We'll put out an expansion to the current game, but we're not putting out the new game. Yeah, it cost somebody their job, but Bungie was able to actually get that done. And that's something that no other no other team associated with Activision has, has been able to do. But you um, don't know that that's what happened. For all you know, Activision could have said, this game sucks, we're not releasing it, release a DLC. They released they released vanilla destiny. That's all you need to know. <laughs> they, they were they were happy enough with that and they let it go. 
So at, at a certain point, yes, I, I get everything that you're saying, but Bungie has more control than we're giving it. And it's it's clear that they have control over their assets. And I am I'm very sure, very, very sure. I, I I'm I'm trying to be as how do I say this? As I'm trying to give hints to you. Let's just put it like that. That Bungie has people in certain locations to make sure that it's a consistent experience. Let's just put it like that. I sort of agree with what Jorge is saying in regards to Bungie having control or more control now. I think when Vanilla Destiny came out, despite the fact that Bungie had a lot of experience and success with Halo, they were still being treated like like the new artist at the recording studio. I'll use that as an analogy. And with the success that has been seen since Vanilla with each successive DLC expansion, add-on, whatever, uh, I think they do have more control. And you can see that with how the more recent expansions and added content um, have been released and played out. So, yeah, I would think that I would think that Activision is taking more of a backseat and they still have control since Bungie uh, it works for them. But yeah, I think Bungie has a good, a decent amount of control. And uh, yeah, someone lost, maybe more than one person lost their job over the fact that Destiny 2 was delayed. But, you know, it's it does show, among other things, that Bungie has more control and is in the driver's seat in regards to the future of destiny, which is a good thing. Yeah. So let's go ahead and close this bad boy up. Cause this show has been running a little bit longer than what we normally expect. We're running hot. David, go ahead and <laughs> David, go ahead and take it away. <laughs> well, we want to thank you all for listening to in orbit, let you know, we are available on a ton of platforms. So please make sure you're spreading the word. Uh, the best way to do this is to share in orbit with others. We're on iTunes. We're on SoundCloud. We're on Overcast for iOS, Google Play Music, Stitcher Smart Radio, Player.fm, Pocket Casts, and we have an RSS feed. The link uh, for all of these are available right on the Mash Those Buttons website at www.mashthosebuttons.com. Make sure to stay tuned after the show to hear about what's coming this week on Mash Those Buttons Network. Make sure to check out the other shows on Mash Those Buttons Network at mashthosebuttons.com slash shows to see all of our podcasts. And for any questions regarding scheduling, check mashthosebuttons.com slash schedule for all scheduling details. And make sure to check us out on twitter.com slash MTB site, facebook.com slash shows buttons, youtube.com slash shows buttons. David, where can people find you at? Uh, you can find me as always on Twitter at DS underscore Bolt and streaming on Twitch, twitch.tv slash DS Bolt. No spaces, no underscores. And Jordan, where can people find you at? You can find me uh, on Twitter at I am underscore T-Bot, spelled T-E-E-B-O-T. And occasionally streaming on Twitch. Uh, channel is I am T-Bot, all one word. And as always, you can find me on all the different social network sites and gaming screen names at GoToNRG, as I mentioned, on all locations. Please contact us with any questions to inorbitpodcast at gmail.com. And maybe we'll play your question on the next episode of In Orbit. And go on a half hour rant. Right. <laughs> May the dicka be with you. <laughs> oh my god. My prior events are not a memory. It is momentum. 
It advances, leads, and controls, points and directs, shapes and forms. I may not enjoy what lies in front of me, but as in any story, the past needs resolution. We are the authors, the finishers of our fate. What is in my past is my prologue, and what is in my future is my destiny. On behalf of the entire InOrbit team, David, Jordan, Jarrett, and myself, we thank you for listening to our show. And as always, we'll see you on the next mission. Your destiny calls. Thank you for choosing a Mash Those Buttons podcast. Here's what's coming up this week on Mash Those Buttons. On Monday, December 19th, Jorge and David transmit in orbit. This week talking about updated crucible drops, SRL, and changes coming to strikes. On Tuesday, December 20th, Nick and Katie continue their quest to educate you on wild lore on the Torn and the Goblin. This week talking about the origins of the Feast of Winter's Vale, and lore highlights from 2016. On Wednesday, December 21st, Jarrett, Mikey, and Bond bring you the latest in Overwatch and its community on Watchpoint Radio. This week talking about making Sombra competitive and Blizzard needing to take more responsibility in the policing of their community. On Friday, December 22nd, Mike, Rob, and Luke bring you SitRep Radio, talking the latest in the division and the state of the game. To find more information on all of our shows, go to mashthosebuttons.com slash shows. And to see our full podcast schedule, visit mashthosebuttons.com slash schedule.